So with that said, I'm excited to introduce to you today's speaker. Throughout the summer, you'll have the privilege of hearing from a couple of different voices, not only mine. It's my privilege to share the pulpit with a few people that I think you'll enjoy hearing. This first one is a guy that has been around the block in youth ministry for a long time. And in other words, he's done youth ministry for a very long time, him and his wife. And, and not only that, he's also a guy that has a heart for the lost. And so he's also led STM Guatemala several times. And not only that, you might know him as Hernan on some of our sketches. I know for you freshmen, you don't have the privilege of knowing that yet, but when you see it, you will love it, and you'll realize that not only is this guy someone who's about to preach the word, but he's a guy who's Adipat, which is one of the reasons I love him. Anyone remember what Adipat means? Anytime, any place, anything, or anything, anytime, any place. You know, you get the idea. Uh, but this is the guy that I, I'm so excited for, so please... Give your rapt attention and your hearty applause to Elvis Iescas. Hello. <laughs> you miss me? Yes. Okay. Don't worry, I'm not going to do the whole sermon that way. That'd be weird, right? Okay. So this morning... I kind of wanted to start us off with just some old proverbs, not biblical ones, just to kind of get you guys, you guys thinking about it. So, you know, thinking about things that, I don't know, your grandma would say. Um, one of those is, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever. That's a nice one. A proverb is a short sentence based on long experience. A short one. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush, whatever that means. And my most favorite one is life is a box of chocolate. You, you never know what you're going to get. Who is a, a grandma like this? It's not there, but it's okay. Who here has grandmas that's chock full of little sayings, little proverbs? Show of hands. Okay. A couple of you, okay? I had one that was chock full of sayings, but she also paired that with old school remedies. How many grandmas here have old school remedies when you're sick? Okay, some of you, right? My abuela, my grandma, looked a lot like this, right? Chunkland hand. Little proverb, old school remedy. And here's my old school remedy, one of the examples of many anyway, apart from Vicks Vapor Rub. Uh, we had, uh, uh, she would spoon feed me olive, olive oil and salt, okay? Olive oil and salt, if you could just imagine that now. And here's the reason why. I had just eaten a packet of gummies and there was fear and anxiety over them getting stuck in my stomach. That's not real life, but it happened. So she would say her little proverb, spoon feed me olive oil and salt, or maybe some Vicks, and give me her little saying. And here's the thing, guys, when, when, you know, when we have grandparents or, or someone who's older than us who's giving us these little proverbs, these little sayings, you know, once you get past 
the silliness and, or, or you know, the old school remedies, once you get past that, there's something that's left there that we have to wrestle with, whether we want to or not. And each one, it seems like it's designed for that specific moment. And we've heard it several, several times. And here's what I want you guys to closely be paying attention to as we begin this, this message this morning. You know, these, these, we're going to be digging into to four proverb verses. And these aren't just some old proverbs. Right? You can Google old English proverbs and get some stuff and, you know, have a laugh. But these aren't that. These are more important even than what your grandma or my abuela has ever told us. And they're inspired by, the, by, by God, rich with wisdom and written to help us make sure we're doing our best to honor and glorify the Lord. So with that, that being said, go ahead and flip over to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17. And once you're there, I'll go ahead and read that. And that says, if you have found honey, eat only, I apologize, I'm reading 16 and 17. Eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. See, we have here a comparison. So we have honey being compared to wisdom. However, in these, throughout Proverbs, we have honey compared to wisdom. In these particular passages, however, it's warning against gluttony. Gluttony is the overconsumption of food, getting greedy, excessive amount of eating. And in verse 17, it's comparing somebody who's eating a lot, an excessive amount of food, to somebody who's getting too comfortable as a guest. I mean, who here has been too comfortable as a guest before? You know, you're reaching into somebody's pantry, grabbing their food, you know? We've, I've been there. It's, it's fine. Not fine. It's unwise. But both of these, I want you to think, are uh, the, what I'm trying, the, paint, the painting I'm trying to, to, to paint here is self-gratifying and sinful. When it's in excess, we're getting too greedy. So I think it's safe to say that too much of a good thing is bad. And I think you guys can, you know, we can all agree, something too good, something that's too good is, and too much of it is bad. Uh, and I think we've all been in that spot where we've ordered too many pizzas and we've had all the slices of pizzas that we could potentially have, but we keep eating it. Yeah, I think the same thing goes for chips. I think I did that once. Just too much, too mu I think I still do that now. If you put a bag of chips and salsa on the table and it's gone within 10 minutes, it was probably me. So some of these things, you know, as, as, uh, sorry, as, as Christians, we're called to love people and to use things. And when we get those two in a wrong order, we end up hurting ourselves and other people. So let's talk through some tangible things. What are some tangible things? Tangible means physical, something that you can hold in your hand. I have my phone up here because my, my wife is about 38 weeks pregnant. Uh, so she's been having some contractions, but not any this morning. So we are patiently waiting for baby number three. 
uh, who's due on 729. So anyway, tangible item here, right? Or this lovely computer, TV, movie, you, you know, you can list anything that might be a good thing that we are able to hold and touch. Sometimes it could be like a relationship, a girlfriend, boyfriend, family, friends. And other times, overindulging or having too much of something that's good isn't necessarily something physical or something you could hold. It's, it's like pride or your attitude or the way you're joking or the way you're provoking other people. These things are harder to notice because they're, they're covered, they're deeply rooted. So to uncover them brings pain and it hurts. Some examples here, right in the same chapter you're in now, if you just look over to verse 27, it says, it is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. So again, here we have honey, and it's being compared to enjoying the sweetness of your own self-glory, where we have it used to compare to how sweet wisdom is. Here it is, it's self-glory, you know, not humbling ourselves. Then if you go over to verses six and seven, do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of great, for it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. You, you guys may not be able to, this, this will probably be more relevant as you get into adulthood and you have, you, get, uh, you have a career and jobs, but I made the mistake once of, I didn't get a promotion at work, but a, a teammate did. So I heard that she did, and as soon as I found that out, I shot an email straight to my boss. Dear boss, why did she get it and I didn't? Not those exact words, but pretty, pretty similar, pretty close. And over the weekend, I molded over, I chewed on it, I felt guilty, I knew I had been sinful, I knew that this was self-gratifying, and in that moment, I could not humble myself to accept the fact that this person had gotten it over me. So on Monday morning, I went straight to my boss and I admitted to him and confessed my sins. Fortunately, he is a professing Christian and understood, and his response back to me was like, oh, I haven't read my emails yet. So that was a big like, because, okay, just delete it. So just to kind of give you more of an example there, right? The point is don't, over, oh, don't overindulge in the blessings that you receive. We have to remember where these are coming from. And as we, we progress into, into, into what I'm talking about today, we, we are going to see how we can skew and twist those. While you're in your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 19 through 23. And that says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his internal power, eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since, ever since the creation of the world and things that have been made so they are without excuse. For although, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I mean, of course, Paul has a take on this as well, right? Overindulging equals 
unrighteous behavior. And here's why. It simply, simply put, does not honor God or give thanks to him. If we, are taking, if we are wanting to work for, labor for, toil for, over things of this earth, jobs, academics, sports, and not giving thanks to the one who gave us those abilities, who gave us those talents, who gave us the means to do these things, we're not honoring him. Second point, makes us futile in our thinking. Sinful behavior, unrighteous behavior, makes us unwise. Just similar to the illustration I gave you guys before we jumped into this. Right? I wanted that promotion. And I was unwise in sending that email to my boss. That gives me false wisdom, the third point there. And ultimately, it exchanges the glory of God for self-glorification. So as we focus on growing a life of gratitude, we're going to be tempted to meaningless issues with people around us. And these issues oftentimes will get us to meddle in things that don't concern us or provoke others with the way we speak. So True North, we've got to learn to mind our business. Mind your business. Proverbs 26, 17. Flip over to the next uh, page there on your Bibles or your devices. Proverbs 26, 17. That says, Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like the one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Now, okay, that one sounds, that one sounds like it might be a little random. You know, like, Elvis, what do you say? Is this some more old English Proverbs that you're throwing at us from Google? No. Um, and there's reason behind it, just like every other proverb in here. And specifically, the reason why this would have resonated with, with the reader is that in Palestine in those days, the dogs weren't domesticated. They weren't, nobody had them as pets. So if you're walking down the street in ancient Palestine and you just grab a dog from the ear, that would be straight dangerous. I think it probably is now still also, uh, but I don't know. You might, be doing, you might be doing it for fun, and we don't know. Uh, Pastor Rod had mentioned that I have taken a group of people down to Guatemala the last three years uh, through our STM uh, church plant down there. And we specifically go to a city called San Cristobal uh, into a little rural area called Misco. And so by rural area, I mean there's dirt, dirt streets. Um, it's pretty high elevation, so you're huffing and puffing by the time you make it up to the hill. The whole point of walking this neighborhood is because that's where we got most of the kids, and we, have, we would average about 200 kids by Wednesday of that particular week. So we were handing out flyers, passing, you know, putting up posters, and, and you know, talking with the community, speaking with the neighborhood. That we were prepared for. I, I, every year I go down there, I'm not prepared for the number of street dogs that are there. I don't mean the hot dog street dog. I mean like chuchos is what they call it, right? And typically you'd be like, chucho, chucho, right? You don't, that's slang for dog, and you don't want to call those dogs chuchos because they'll come over. It'd be like saying like, hey, what's up, dog? Like, oh, you're talking to me, okay. Um, 
And that's something where I always end up forgetting that these dogs are going to be there. And you certainly don't want to be calling them chuchos because they'll come over to you. And you don't want to be grabbing them by the ears because you'll definitely be leaving with a new malnourished pet or rabies. And that's something you don't want to do. And I, you know, I think, I think we can all agree with this verb and with this uh, proverb. You know, passing, uh, catching a, a passing dog by the ears is, is, I mean, it's disturbing, right? Nowadays, disturbing for the dog and for the owner, unless you, you know, even more disturbing if you ran up to the owner and pulled his ear. Um, but it's, it's disturbing because you're, you're gonna, there's going to be yapping, there's going to be barking, or you might even get, be, you might get bit. And nothing comes from both of those. You don't want the barking, you don't want to get bit. Let's not deal with that, you know? Um, this passage mentions meddling, provoking, and usually involves concerning yourselves with, with things that don't concern, that, that, you know, they're not your matters, they're not your issues. It's butting into things. And sometimes it, it isn't just this. Meddling and provoking isn't just concerning yourselves with things that don't concern you. It, and it can take other shapes and forms. Verse 17 if we read verses 17 through 22, or if you're looking at those now, is a series of sayings, uh, which are intentional collection of proverbs that deal with, with rash and careless speech. So here's how we can mind. There's a picture of the chucho when that comes up here. Here's how we can mind our business and be mindful as we t uh, um, of how we talk, as that loads here. Don't meddle is the first subpoint there. Don't meddle. Forcing ourselves into matters that don't concern us is unwise. So picture this. You have two friends who, who are fighting, are in a kerfuffle, which was just used this morning. I love that word, kerfuffle. You're in a kerfuffle with somebody. And then a third person comes in and gets involved and you, you're like, hold on a second. Why are you getting involved? You don't know what's happening. As outsiders, we may lack information, and that's, we're, we're getting angrily involved into something that does not concern us. Second subpoint is watch your jokes. Verses 20 through 22 of that same proverb. I'm sorry, 18 and 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I'm only joking. So here's a, a person that, this person's this jokester, this kidster. I don't know if, I mean, I, do we still use jokester and kidster these days? Somebody who's, who's joking just because they're bent, bent on on giving somebody grief or at another person's expense is, is unwise. It's, it's sinful. And you're not loving your brother or your sister. Watching your jokes, I mean, I know that when I hear that, when you say, don't, you know, practical joking, no, watch your jokes, you're like, well, what about, you know, what about when we're with the homies or with the bros? Can we do it then? And I, I caution you there because sometimes these little jokes can just creep in there and it, it, it leaves you, it could potentially leave you being a bad witness. And this happened at work once where, you know, somebody was joking, we were joking about something and, and I ended up laughing at it. 
And that person didn't think anything of it. They're, you know, they were, they're, they're not Christian, but that, as a Christian, somebody who's professed faith in Christ, it, it left me thinking, should I, be, should I be laughing at this? Is this something that is glorifying and honoring to God? And I know it seems so innocuous, so innocent when you're doing it here at small groups with your, with your small groups. It's, it's all fun and games. But you have to be careful. And you have to watch out how you're joking with people. We're left here, you know, once, once they've offended, they give a, a lame apology, a sad apology. Like, hey, I was only joking. Like, it, we were all laughing. It was all fun and games. But they don't realize the, the damage that's already been done, whether temporary or permanent. The third subpoint there is think before you speak. That's Proverbs 26 through 22. Proverbs 26, 20 through 22. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I mean, listen, listen to... to to how that's described there. With the very things we worship God, we cause immense, immense damage. A whisper or a gossip is pictured as causing two kinds of damage. They can fuel a quarrel between friends and families and flame it into a feud. So think of a campfire, right? When you're, when you're tending to a fire while you're camping, you stick in you, you throw in some more wood, some more logs to get the fire going. That's, that's what a gossip, that's what a whisperer does. It's, it has the same impact as sticks of wood on fire, the same incendiary impact. His second kind of damage that he does is what he says or what he's gossiping about roots itself deep in the belly of that victim, of that person. It says here, they go down into the inner parts of the body and cause permanent damage. The first part of that, of verse 22, talks about how, how delicious that is. The words of a whisper are like delicious morsels. And again, the, the verbs that it, it's using there is, it, you imagine how satisfying that might be, how, how delicious that might be, and that's just speaking against it. You know, think before you speak. Go ahead and jot this down. I don't have this one uh, referenced on the slide, but James chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And get a take on James, the, the I guess you could call him the writer of the more modern Proverbs. But that says, starting in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things not ought to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You see how it's comparing things that don't, don't jive, don't go well together? One cannot produce this. So as you can see, our actions and our words can cause a great deal of damage within friends, families, and, church, and the church body, which can be all-encompassing. It's important to remember that these relationships are our anchors no matter what. 
and no matter where we go. And they help us not drift away or feel separate or separated or, or get lost. Now, before I get into point three here, I kind of wanted to share this with you guys. Twelve things we're always losing. BuzzFeed article from 20, 2013. Okay, how many people are always losing things? I mean, that's me, completely. I'm somebody that I get home, I throw my phone, I literally throw my phone on the couch, and then it falls into a crack. Or I could, I could spend, we could spend a few minutes and I could show you pictures of my two-year-old taking, of, it's just the top of her head. Um, but the point is, is I think we're, we, we spend a lot of time losing things, I feel like. Unless you have like the cool little device in your keychain that is attached to an app. I don't know if you guys have that, but that's, I always think that's a good idea, but I never want to buy it. And it always happens right when we're about to leave. It's like, we got, we got to go. We're already 30 minutes late. I'm a minute out the door. I can't find my phone, right? You do one of these. You're like, I can't, where, where my glasses, what, you know. And you're frantically looking through rooms to find this lost item. And, and then, like, one, like, your one last attempt is you, you, you prepare your vocal cords because you're going to shout for the, you're going to shout out to the keeper of all things lost. And that's, mom, have you seen my whatever that lost item is. And BuzzFeed compiled 12 things, and I'm not going to go through all those, through those all, but in, in some of those were, I mean, your pen caps. Does, do people still use pen caps in here? I like the clicky ones. Can't lose those. There you go. There it is. Ha ha. Pen caps, your keys. Keys are vital if you have a car or if you want to get into your house. How about cats? Cats. This says, my cat could be in your house. It looks just like your cat. And the poor guy left his number. So if you see his cat, I didn't leave the number in there. It's not real. Um, the fact is, is, you know, we're always losing these things. But what this passage points to is more than just lost keys, wallets, pen caps, or cats. Point three, remember where home base is. And if you've got your Bibles, your devices, go ahead and turn over to Proverbs 27.8. And as you're jotting that down or getting there, it says, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. And this is a gentle yet sobering reminder of where we ultimately belong as Christians. You know, here on earth, we belong, th 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 we're designed for this. We're designed to be together. We're designed to fellowship. We're designed to, 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 to not be alone, but to be worshiping and honoring God together. And this, this particular verse, this proverb, is kind of pointing to what the dangers are of somebody who wanders. Right? There's, you know, the travelers who wander, the fun wandering. But this is more so your spiritual wandering. You don't want to be doing that. And one who wanders, guys, is out of place, off duty, and in danger. Just as the birds 
there is, just with the birds, there's safety in the nest. Now, I'm not saying, if there's parents listening, I'm not saying don't ever leave, right? Because eventually you guys are going to get into great schools, you'll get great careers, you'll, you'll, start, you'll start, you know, having, having children, have families, and you're, you're going to go and do your own thing. And right now, what that looks like is, okay, well, I'm going to get through junior year, senior year, then going to college, wherever that might be. But I, what I am saying is don't let yourself get drifted. Don't separate yourselves from the flock. Have community. Have fellowship. We're designed for this and held together by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. I think we all know that, that passage because that's where we all first learned our first Greek word, koinonia. Um, but the point is, is, is what they spent their time doing. And that's with each other. That's praying with one another. That's eating and fellowshipping with one another. Ensuring we maintain our Christian community allows us to look to the future and helps us aim for the long-term investment. So my mom, my mom used to say, hijo, lucha, estudia, trabaja duro, dale ganas. And what that means is work hard, not fight, you know, physical fights, but, you know, there's things worth fighting for. Work hard and give it your all. And I've got, I've got to be honest with you guys, when I was like 10, 11, she said this to me a lot. Um, but when I was younger, every time she would say lucha, lucha means fight, or luchador. It's 11 o'clock. And I didn't always listen. And I, th I think we, you know, we, can, we can all say that we've all been there. We, I didn't always listen to what she said. But being a parent now, I completely understand. I understand this so much more. Because what they did was more than just for themselves. They bought, they bought into the American dream. They shot for something more than just them. And they foresaw and aimed for something bigger, um, which was for my sister and I, to be able to achieve that here. They aimed for their own long-term investment, though. I think... You know, as, we, as, as you guys get older, you start having jobs. If you want a roof over your head, clothes on your person, food on your plate, you, you, you get money by working, right? You need money for that kind of stuff, right? If you're hanging out with the bros, if you do that, or ladies, if you're hanging out, it's, if you want to go out and have coffee, 20 cups of coffee, then, you know, you want, you want the money for that. You need money for that because you can't have it for free. So as we, you know, as we think through this, oftentimes these things that we work for get skewed or get twisted. Right? You, you get into your career, you work for promotions, you get more money, or right now you're working towards your academics to get, to get the best grades you possibly can so you can get to the best school in the nation or you're great at sports and that athleticism is gonna get you to where you need it to go. But what I'm trying to get to is that sometimes these things get skewed, right? We only have the one true God to thank for these talents, for 
our brains to fully comprehend what uh, y equals mx plus b, as well as how to catching the old pigskin. And as Christians, we need, be, we need to be working towards what's been, we need to work towards thanking and honoring God. And not for ourselves, obviously, because we're honoring God, and sometimes that's how it gets skewed. We're doing this for coach, we're doing this for our pastor, we're doing this for our teachers. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And what Paul had in mind in here was a zealous pursuit of God's approval. And we cannot be working, simply working, be working for worldly goods or worldly people, but we ought to be working towards our sanctification. So how do we do this? How do we work out our salvation? I know you have leaders that constantly tell you these things. You have pastors that are telling you these things. There's leadership in this church that's constantly talking about getting your salvation right. Well, that's the first step point. Get your salvation right. And that starts with repenting of our sins. In uh, Acts 2.38, during uh, Peter's sermon uh, during Pentecost, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Second subpoint is, learn to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the beginning of all knowledge, guys. The culmination of wisdom is Christ. So the point I'm trying to make here is Christ is the only source required for wisdom and knowledge. And since we have Christ, we have no need for wisdom or knowledge from anyone else or the need for goods, for things, for cars, for whatever, you know, list whatever you want there. Because of Christ, we have Christ. And the third point here is recognize that sanctification is the Lord's work. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the, beginning, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. True North, we, we live, we are super blessed. And we live, living in South Orange County, I mean, we... we this is a great city to live in. I look at the facility we're in. You know, we, we shouldn't ever take any of this for granted. And it's when we twist those good things that we have, the blessings that we have, and instead of honoring and worshiping the Lord for them, we honor and worship those things. And I've got to tell you guys that true everlasting happiness doesn't come from that. But it starts with wisdom, true wisdom. And that's why we have to pursue wisdom by bringing all things into relation to Jesus Christ. Now, let's, let's leave this morning overindulging in the Lord's goodness and not good things in the way that Proverbs is telling us to. Let's go ahead and pray. 